up? This is Ranting with Randy, and this is a podcast that still has no introduction for the COVID-19 coronavirus update live from New York City, 10 blocks apart. Is it 10 blocks apart-ish? 10 blocks-ish apart from Lincoln Mitchell, uh, who shares with us. We have Lincoln Mitchell story time in the beginning, and I thought it would be nice to include a little story, just, just a little All it is is a story about Lincoln and traveling, and it has nothing to do with ranting, and it has nothing to do with politics, and it has not. Well, it might have a little to do with politics, but but in a good way, and it's it 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 is slightly sentimental, and it is touching, and you know we need more of that, because there's plenty of ranting and raging to go on as we all sit here and continue to find our way through this. Uh, Some better than others. Uh, Good days, bad days, as as in life generally, however amplified by this insanity. Uh, so there's Lincoln Mitchell story time. We talk about baseball. We talk about politics. We talk about just colleges and kids and school and testing and the shit that's everybody else is talking about. Uh, so without any further ado, and to keep this within Lincoln Mitchell's preferred time frame for ease of listening, I'm going to shut the fuck up and let you listen to the podcast. All right, let's just start the podcast. Lincoln's going to tell us a little rambling Lincoln. This has nothing to do with anything, but it's an interesting story. Okay, go when ahead. I was 19 years old. I was backpacking through China. I'd never, this was 1987. I'd never really been anywhere before other than I lived in the San Francisco. So I've been in the Bay Area, Northern California. And of course, I had family here in New York and around the East Coast. And I went to Canada once on a trip with my aunt and uncle and my cousins and once to Mexico with my grandparents and my mom and my cousins. But I'd never like been anywhere on my own. I was 19. I was in college and I was going to do this study in China for a semester because I was studying Chinese at the time. But I was backpacking. Why were you China. studying Chinese? Can we now get into why you. Pick Chinese? Well, my grandfather thought it would be a good idea. Okay. Um, Just so, because? Well, I always, I mean, I, my grandfather, I always listen to my grandfather. Um, he always gave good advice. Um, he, he, Random. My, I mean, let's say this, my grandfather, when he was in his 80s, pounded his fist on the, he died at 80s, almost short of, a few weeks short of his 88th birthday, but he pounded his fist on the table and, and said, no, no child or grandchild of mine is ever going to vote Republican. Um, so... Uh, but 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 so so I studied Chinese backpacking through China. The whole only point of the story. You is did go I, to China to backpack. I was like checking. I was trying. Okay. To, I, I had to get to my dorm by a certain date for this to study, and that was the summer of the Iran Contra. When I got there, they I said I'm Lincoln Mitchell, and there was you know an American that was running the program. They said, Oh, we're glad you're here. You have all this mail, and my grandfather had been sending me all the clippings because he hated Reagan. <laughs> what was going on politically from newspapers, like in envelopes to China, and I would read them because there was no internet back then. And there's a whole other story about my grandfather when they came to visit and everything. But anyway, um, I was backpacking. I get to Shanghai, right? Shanghai is like today the most amazing big, it was an amazing city then, but it was really different back then. And I found this like hostel, kind of like a youth hostel. And I, you know, I'd never been anywhere before. And, and I was kind of, but I was fine. Like I was checking things out and eating Chinese food and talking to people, having a good time. And I went to bed and in the middle of the night, I woke up to the sound of foghorns because it was right near the river in, in Shanghai and there were foghorns. And as far away from home as I'd ever been, I felt like I was at home because I grew up, you know, a, a five minute walk from the San Francisco Bay and always heard foghorns in my sleep. And even now my mom's house in San Francisco when the windows are open and she lives quite a bit in the middle of the city, you can still hear the foghorns sometimes. That's kismet. That's, yeah. that's, that's signs from above and that's, that's I, I totally believe in that kind of shit. What is the sign? Did I should have gone to Shanghai? I don't know. That somebody, you know, someone's watching over you. Somebody knows that what calms your soul. Somebody knows what soothes your soul and makes you feel at peace. And it shows up somehow. 
or maybe I heard it because I was attuned to it. I think some of the people didn't know what those sounds were. Maybe, but it was that you found it and you picked up on it for some reason when nobody I else understand. did. Understand, this was a, a hostel where it was segregated by gender. It was binary because of the eighties, right? So if you were a man, you were in basically a dorm style, like like a barrack, like with like twenty or thirty beds, your backpack under the bed. You know, but that was traveling. Uh, that was how yeah, you did it back yeah. then. I mean, yeah. If, if you got like a week old economist, you were very excited. You know, if, if uh, uh, you know, not forbid you wanted to get the baseball scores. Those were the days. Those were them days. Yeah, another world. It's another. Speaking of another world, where would you like to start today? Because the list think, is long. I think we have to start with person, woman, man, camera, TV. Was that the order? Person, woman, man, camera, TV? It was the order. I love the memes going around of, like, five-year-old kids doing it and their mom, like, throwing them a juice box as, like, a reward. But the thing is, those weren't the words. Those weren't the words on the test. That was him looking around, and what does he see? Because if that's Trump's world, man, woman, camera, TV, that's all he cares about. Well, what's ironic was that it was person, which could be classified as a man or a woman. So he chose person. Then man and woman, which has some psychologists. I would love to know for some for some shrink to like because dig he that open. Think of five nouns. He couldn't think of five words. But he could have said like, tree. He could have said but pole. That's the point. He could have said elephant, right? But he didn't. He's so his mind is so narrow. Anyway, it is because he couldn't differentiate a person from a man or a woman. So he thought a person was something obviously clearly different. That's like when a baby is born. When a baby is born, they give him. Baby, something called an APGAR test. Do you know about yeah, this? Yeah, I do. And it's like boasting about your score on the APGAR test. <laughs> I mean, I took the APGAR test last week. I got a four. Like, it's insane. What's even more terrifying is that Soledad O'Brien then tweeted out that that Dr. Schmuck, who stood there with that smug ass, like, I can't believe I'm either listening to this or I can't say anything. But then he went on Fox News and talked about how brilliantly he, you know, recited what the test was. That was her internist, I think, from NYU. Um, medical center, and she was absolutely gobsmacked and disgusted that this man, who was a medical professional, stood there and listened to that drivel and didn't say, like, didn't say one fucking word. That is what Mary Trump said in her book. Nobody ever stops this guy or tells him he's wrong. Is, this, is that is that the truth is that I mean, uh, like, why are people afraid of Donald Trump? I don't know. That was very interesting. That the next meme that went, or the next video clip, not a meme, sorry, that went around was of Barbara Walters shutting right. him down in that interview. However, that's a little misleading. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to see that. Well, she just was like, "Bro, shut up! I talked to your bankers. That's not actually true. I talked to the people. You're wrong." She literally didn't take the garbage. He right. tried to say something. She shut it down. It was like a one minute clip. But the but the underlying point being, everybody was like, "Barbara Walters, you know, badass woman, shut down." They were friends. Like they, right, there yeah, is yeah, a yeah, backstory, right. so it wasn't like he wouldn't have taken that from anybody else. I mean, I mean, the New York media that kind of indulged Trump in the seventies, eighties, and literally eighties and nineties, you know, they didn't know he'd become president, but there was like, like there was never really an honest reporting of this guy's charlatan, right? Right. There was always the kowtowing, which is why now when Mary Trump's book comes out, and then that other woman who I never remember her name, who was the vice president of like the building shit, she's like the older woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah who ran everything and, like, was on site at the construction sites for all the projects, all of a sudden now she's like, yeah, there was always racist talk. He was always throwing anti-Semitic slurs around. This was who he was, and this is how... And and everybody did everything, and he sat at his desk with five newspapers and a phone. He never knew what was going on, and everybody else really just ran his his empire, if you want to call it that. I mean, that's not really the right word, but... The thing is, 
this is stuff that we should have been discussing in 2015 when he first reared his head on the political scene. Right. And we were, but nobody was, you know, people weren't listening, and now here we are. Which is him canceling the Jacksonville Trump death cult rally, not because of coronavirus, but because nobody would show up. I think he's canceling it because I think he's having one of these 72-hour periods where he's beginning to listen to his advisors. He'll stop after a while because he can't be that disciplined, but that uh, potential event in, in Jacksonville would have been a disaster. It, of a disaster. course, but he's not canceling it because of coronavirus. He's canceling it because no. it's a hot spot. He's canceling it because nobody would show up. Right, and right. he's canceling it now because he has this new uh, campaign manager who's like, we're going to do telerally. Like, they trademarked the term telerally already, and I can't wait. I really am hoping, and I'm not a big fan of hackers or anonymous or whoever, you know, runs these dark websites. Or I, They're going to put everything online. I mean, to announce that was almost like an invitation well, also, you know, the thing about like a tele-rally, if you will, is that it is, it's a different, I mean, I guess they, you know, especially because it's not like you could do, you can simply see something where you know, you're going to have a rally, a small rally of 100 people and then broadcast it and then charge people to come to like a movie theater or something like that and watch it, but you can't do that in the age of COVID. So everyone's right. watching it like this in front of their computer or on their phone or something. And that, like to not, like, like Trump's behavior looks even more strange like when it's not in person, right? So, and, and he won't be able, like, like he can't... He can't feed off the crowd. Right, exactly. So so what is, I mean, you know, right now, I mean, I, I, I think we need to look, you know, I, I just want to, because I think this is important, actually. I want to talk about the polls just for a second. Go ahead. Um, the polls are generally accurate, right? This myth of, you know, you only hear about the polls that are wrong. You don't hear about them getting most Senate races right, most... And, and the basic, the poll number, the three-week average, according to most of the aggregators right now, is about rough numbers, uh, 48 for Biden and 40 for, for uh, Trump. And and so if we just look at those numbers for a moment, let's think, I'm not a pollster, but I just want to do some basic math here. That's 48, 40, 12. Person, woman, right? <laughs> and, and so what happens to those other 12? Well, we don't know, but let's just make an estimate, Right. I think this is a pretty good estimate. 4% go to weird third-party candidates, right? Okay, I'm taking notes. Now, in reality, if you're answering undecided now, you're probably not voting. So you just re-aggregate the other numbers, right? But Or, or reassign the other numbers. Okay. So let's say 4% goes other. So now you're down to 8. 48, 40, 4. And let's say of those 8, based on what we're currently seeing, 5 go to Biden, 3 go to Trump, right? 53, 43, 4. Right. Okay. In a free and fair election, that's a landslide for Biden. Right. But if it gets two points closer, if the three-week average gets to be by the time we approach the election, forty-eight, forty-two. Right. Then, you know, you can see how this is. It is likely to be Biden winning by six to eight points, if I had to estimate. Right. That's a which lot. Means, it is a lot, which means a final vote of fifty-two, forty-five, three. Right. And on the one hand, I'm trying to be kind of very, you know, you can tell a story how Biden breaks his open and there's a landslide, but that's not, there's no guarantee that that happens. But I suspect that most people around Trump who are smart enough are realizing that's where this is going. And, and what that does is that, that, that if you were, that, that puts you in a, a binary choice almost if you're a Republican operative right now, just to get inside their heads. One, okay, Trump's going to lose. So... What we have to do, again, if you're a Republican, is hold the Senate. Because Biden in the White House and McConnell 
running the Senate means you don't get a single Supreme Court justice confirmed. You don't get a single piece of progressive legislation passed. If you're a Republican, you can live with that. Well, how do you strategize to that? How do you do that? Well, you distance, but you, you try, to try to have less of Trump. You focus, you put your money, not in the swing states that he has to win, but in the, but in the states where there are key Senate races. Okay. So, for example, North Carolina uh, becomes more important than Florida. Again, just, just thinking broadly speaking, because you have to win that. If you're a Republican, you have to win that Senate seat. You want to make sure you win Montana, right, where there's another contested Senate race. So you focus your money Maine rather than, say, Wisconsin, where – it's real close, and it could be Trump has to Trump has to win there, but there's no real Senate race there. Or Michigan, where the Democratic candidate is is, is sufficiently ahead that he's going to win. Okay. So, so that's what you would do in a normal strategy. Now, you can't tell the president that, even if it's a normal president, because nobody wants to hear. Well, you're going to lose or walking away from. They you, wouldn't the waste their time telling him that anyway. Right. But even a normal president, you have to be delicate about right. it. Right. The other option is this: we're going to try to steal this thing. Steal it by. Steal it by voter intimidation, by voter suppression, by rejecting the outcome. And, you know, that's what Trump – now, Trump doesn't see it that way. I mean, Trump probably actually believes the election is being stolen from him, which is the exact opposite of what's happening. And, and that's, that's the decision note. And I don't know how the Republican Party handles this. It is very important because, you know, I was talking to a guy yesterday who I hadn't talked in a long time. And, and he, is, he is much more – he travels in a world where there are much more Trump supporters. Scary. Because, than me, than I do. Okay. Because of where he lives or where you do, or, or than you do. Because of where he lives – uh, because of his demographic background, he's just in a world with a lot of Trump people. And he said to me, I think Biden's going to win in a landslide. Okay. He said, I see a lot of people just, they've had enough of Trump's bullshit. Um, but if that happens, you know, I am, I, we, and I, maybe I'll segue here a little bit, but we cannot forget that when Trump, what we've seen the last week to 10 days, which is, a, a uh, floating fascism, experimenting with fascism on the streets of American cities. And I don't use that term lightly. And you know, because we've been talking about this since before he got elected. I didn't use that term until the last 48 hours or so. But what he's doing, right? And, and you know, really some courageous thing. I mean, the, what the DA in Philadelphia said is if, you're, if troops come in and take people off the streets, I'm charging them with kidnapping. Good, right? right. But there's some really good people saying some good things. But, but by... by, by well, because it is kidnapping, because nobody knows who the fuck these people right, are. No, illegal. They're right, they're right. He's a lawyer. He knows what it is, the DA in Philadelphia. And so so this is a dress rehearsal for what Trump will do after the election. Right. He wants to see. Right. Um, but, but we know, and I talked about this yesterday, Trump is not going to be around forever. You know, just the, the, the chance of losing the election... The chance of being alive in five years because of his deteriorating physical and mental health. I mean, he's you know he's got to have a bad heart. He's morbidly obese. He doesn't sleep. He's a drug addict. You know, he's a drug addict, but he's probably taking some kind of. He for sure is taking popping shit. Yeah. So, but but the Tom allegedly (laughs) who have advocated for shooting innocent demonstrators, the Ted Cruz's who have spread lies about what's going on in the streets of America. These people have to be held responsible. We cannot restore, but I want to say restore carefully. We cannot begin to meaningfully build or rebuild, if you prefer, but we can just say build American democracy with people in prominent positions without any consequences. Well, look what Louis Gomert did. I mean, why is that not getting more attention? The guy wants Louis Gomert wanted to talk about banning the Democratic Party. I mean, the guy is like a fucking wackadoodle. Yes, and you know what? Like, like as far as I'm concerned, a backbencher, nobody, like, I don't care. But two U.S. senators, Tom Cotton and Ted Cruz, will be running for president in 2024. 
But Louis right. Gomer is not like a no. He's not like a nobody. Nobody. No, he's not a nobody. But he's known because he's a nut. Right? Yeah. Fair. Okay. Yes. He is he's known. Not a senator. He's not important. But but senators by definition are important. And and my point is that the Republican Party. And I don't want to ban the Republican Party because I believe you have to have a two party system, at least two parties. But this the, the, the Republican Party has to, for the good of America, has to come out of this with the notion that they're going to be a conservative party because they are a right of center party. In within a democratic, small d democratic system, they're going to compete in elections. They're going to behave. They're going to conduct, uh, use parliament or the Congress. They're going to be lawful, instead of a parliament that is moving to consolidate an anti-democratic regime, which is what they are now. Okay, so who's the first? Who's the first Republican when Trump says, "I refuse to leave the plantation White House"? Who is the first Republican that stands up and says, "This is not really how elections are supposed to Romney. work out"? Romney. Really? Okay. Romney says, "I lost an election." Right, but I think what you're going to see is I wouldn't be surprised if it's George W. Bush. Oh, interesting. Right? What if George W. Bush and Al Gore, having been through this in 2000, make a joint press conference and say, "Donald, it's time to leave. We've been on the right. I've been on the winning side of this. I've been on the losing side of this. You lost. You got to move on." Right? Um, I, I think you'll get you'll get the. There's a lot of former government, former military that will say that. The question of, of sitting elected Republicans, I mean, John Kasich has now clearly moved over to the Democratic side, you know, and these are, these are and Kasich is not some liberal Republican. He's a very conservative guy. Right. I suspect that, um, I suspect you'll see a lot of formers and you'll see a few, but, 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 you know, it could start with Romney. You could see the governor of Maryland, the governor of Massachusetts, right? Um, McConnell, it depends what happens in the Senate. They right? just called for the governor of Maryland, that guy, that big dude. Larry Who's Hogan. Larry Hogan to like pr- run him off or something or primary Trump or like do something like to step up against him. Like, well, I don't Well, he was, he was thought of as a potential primary opponent for Trump. He was smart enough not to do that. He never would have won. Okay. Um, but so, so, but, 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 you know, the question is not will there be one or two, but, but the, the likelihood that the overall, I mean, Ted Cruz and Tom Cotton and, and 30 other less well known senators out Jim there. Jim Jordan. Saying, well, yeah, Jordan, Gates, all these people saying, we know that with what's been going on in the streets of America the last six months, that the Democrats were going to steal this election. And that the show, you know, we know what kind of fraud is going on. They will say that. I really believe that. And then we're in a really tough situation. But you also sometimes, sometimes in these situations, you know, what the, the truth that the people know just wills out, wins out. And, and you can see that happening here, where basically people say, look, we know what happened here. You know, people... Trump, very quickly, you float those ideas, and then you see the public opinion polls coming in, 70% saying you got to leave, and he leaves. So I, we don't know, but I think we have to be prepared for anything here. Interesting. Are you prepared if they show up on the streets here to head out? Even yeah, I mean, with I, your bad leg. I mean, bad leg aside. No, I'll probably take, I don't want to take my walking sticks. I think it's a weapon, but yeah, I think we have to. I mean. Okay. It's crazy. Yeah. I got a message from somebody who literally was like, there is not a lot that I'm willing to die for, like, and dead ass serious. Right. She, and, and she said, if they show up on a Brooklyn street with these Gestapo federal fucking agents, she is like, I am willing to put my life on the line to but, be out there. She, it is scary as fuck to say that you were but, willing to die for this shit. But, you know, here's something. I think we talked about this before, but... These Gestapo, these stormtroopers, 
right? The brown shirts. Yeah, they're fucking wannabe G.I. Joe motherfuckers. Do they really want this fight in New York and Chicago and Detroit? Because they could lose. I mean, there are, I mean, I mean. Well, they lost to that one guy they beat with their batons, that Navy dude that stood there. Right, like 53 years old. Once you come into a city with no legal grounding, it's an invasion. Right. and and, And I hate to say it, but there are people all over this town and Chicago and all these places with guns. What if they shoot back? You think those stormtroopers want to run into buildings and go after people shooting from the 13th floor or something? I think it's very different. I think it's a different type of situation in an in a urban environment. Like, Portland is not yeah. so urban. It's pretty low and flat, and you can see everything right. and stuff like that. But it's a whole nother ball game here. Listen, you're going to run into a bigger problem, I think, more so in Chicago. I mean, the... The, the amount of guns and gangs, and you, I guarantee you, if you ever wanted to see neighborhoods come together because you have right. to stick up and def- defend what's your own, no matter whether you wear red, blue, yellow, and right. black, no matter what, everybody's going to flip open the trunks of their cars and, like, strap up, and then it's going to be game fucking over. I agree with That's you right. on that. And it's going to be very ugly. And then, and, then, and then the problem is, then Trump, I mean, you know... Then Trump says, look what's going on on the streets. He right? wants now, now, that, though. He wanted bigger fights point. in Portland, and Portland didn't bite. But the, 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 the odd thing is, Trump's whole commercials now are, this is what will happen if Biden wins. But wait, you're president, and this has already happened. Right, exactly. So people are buying it. But, I mean, you know, and the other thing is that ultimately he really doesn't care about people well, he dying. Doesn't. He doesn't care about the country collapsing. He cares about staying out of jail and getting money. He doesn't care about his own son. I mean, he doesn't even right. know his own son's name. He lets him walk 50 miles behind him with the fucking umbrella, but yet there he is hugging up on Jelaine Maxwell in every photo and wishes right. her well. I mean, the shit is beyond fucked up. His pri- He has no priorities. He does only care about himself. I mean, these are things that we know. But I keep going back to what I've said to you before, which is that if you're working in the White House now in any capacity... You're spending an awful lot of your time covering up for the president's mental incapacity. But you're also and just as guilty, and you have blood no, all you over you your are. hands. You're guilty because you've been trying to cover it up. But my, but, but I think that, 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 that you know, this we joke about person, man, person, woman, man, camera, TV. But he is somebody who is, you know, when people... He has the fucking nuclear... Please tell me, though, that, this, that somebody else, that this guy does not have the know. nuclear codes, and they're like, one, two, three, four. Like, he could... That's how dumb he is, that he would come out on national television and be like... I can remember five numbers too, three six two four nine, and that's like the key to the nuclear right, codes. Right. And some fucking hacker in Russia is like, "Oh my god!" And the next thing we know, like nuclear missiles are flying out of silos in Iowa. If that's where they keep them, I don't even know that for sure. I mean, you know, Trump's—it's not I funny. Think Trump's I sh- mental incapacity has limited his ability to govern, and, and not just govern well, but just like. He can't stay focused on things. Dude, he brought out Mariano fucking Rivera and talked about throwing out the first pitch. Why? Not because he gives a shit about wackadoodle religious nutjob Mariano Rivera, but because he knew that Fauci was throwing out the first pitch and he was jealous as fuck. Right, right. Even though Fauci threw a terrible pitch. I mean, you want to know something? The leading epidemiologist and and, and doctor fighting coronavirus needs to not be able to reach home plate. I am completely (laughs) okay with that. I would have. I thought you was a basketball player, not a baseball player. Yeah, okay. Focus on your science, bro. Leave the baseball. We could talk about baseball in a minute, but leave the baseball to the baseball. But Trump was 1,000% yeah. totes jelly that Fauci was getting blown up for throwing out the first pitch at the first opening game of the baseball season where everybody took a knee, which was amazing, and by also, the way. And also, the and then they could have all went home. They could have all gone home after that. First pitch, everybody take a knee, send the public yeah. message, and go home. And also, what, what Trump, if I was Trump, what I'd be pissed off about is Trump can't go, because t- historically, 
on and off for many years, you know, when the Senators, Washington Senators were the team, the president threw out the first pitch of the Senators' home opener. That was part of the tradition, going back to, I think, Taft. I'm not sure. Maybe later than that. Okay. Now, Trump can't throw out the first pitch last year or the year before because he'd get booed. But this year with no crowd. But he can't throw. <laughs> no, but Trump could have gone and, and thrown out the first pitch with no crowd. And what you do is you throw it from the, from the stands, from the first row of the stands, to a catcher standing 30 feet away from the cameras. Some presidents have done that rather than walk out to the mound because it is tough to throw from the mound. I mean, if you're not used to it. But he didn't do that. And that's a screw up on his, on his political operations fault because it was a no risk thing because they wouldn't boo him. So then he's doing a right. virtual throwing out the first pitch in Yankee Stadium. And by then, but. Oh, is that what he said? Out. It's a virtual throw? Yeah, I think it's a virtual throw. I mean, he's not going to come here. What is that, like fucking Atari? Like he's going to like push a button with no, like I think a you have No, I think you have something like Trump. You know, on the White House lawn with a baseball and a baseball glove and some dude, some other person with a ball. Oh, know, they're going to, like, CGI Trump, it. I, you know, so now we're going to go to Washington for the ceremonial first pitch, and he's wearing a cap. It's probably Yankee hat. You know, he throws the ball, whoever it is, whatever staff person, whatever. Maybe you get a former ball player, like like uh, Kurt Schilling or someone, to catch it. And then and then you cut back, because everyone's watching on television anyway. No one's there. I guess it would have to be Kurt Schilling, because isn't he a racist fucking piece of shit? Yeah, there, there's a few. Aubrey Huff we talked about So I guess, yeah. I don't know too much about Aubrey Huff. I'm not, uh, I didn't do the deep Google dive on him, but. Yeah, Aubrey Huff, he was not as good a player. He's a good player, but he wasn't as good as uh, Schilling. But he's really, he's probably in the recent weeks much, much more, I mean, he was like, you know, much more explosively. And like these people, they should, they've destroyed the game of baseball by taking a knee, all of this. Some terrible right-wing stuff, yeah. Has he, he always play- been like that? Uh, I don't know too much years. about. I don't know too much about. I mean, he played for the Giants, right? Uh, he played for a lot of teams, the Orioles, the Rays, but he ended up with the Giants, and he was a hero in the, in the 2010 postseason. A very good year, his old uh, towards the end of his career, and of course, playing for the Giants, you have to keep your mouth shut because the Giants in San Francisco, you know. Um, but yeah, he's pretty terrible. Oh, I do know. Okay, I do know that guy. I think I I tweeted at him for something because he had he is very like super Trumpy and like very yeah, yeah. like. Disgustingly racist and just a total pig of yeah. a human being, which is fitting because they all are apparently very piggish and very disgusting. But I think it was great that they all, every single person, took a knee. I think it's extraordinary because what it shows is that, you know, I mean, when Kaepernick started doing this, there were real debates. I mean, it was hardly even the mainstream of the Democratic Party wasn't really okay with it. We all said we were. I mean, I, I, I was, but I was an outlier, you know, I mean, I'm not saying I was so brilliant or great or anything, but it was debated. And, and now it's completely normal. So what you've done is you put you on the one hand, you know, there's nothing more mainstream than baseball. So this diverse group of ball players do it. And then you put, then, then people like Rudy Giuliani, Giuliani seem crazy when they say these people out, they don't, blah, 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 blah. you know, it's when, when you mainstream and, and what we're seeing, I mean, the Boston Red Sox, which is historically the most racist organization in baseball, Puts a big black and Lives football. Matter. I mean, we can keep so going. I mean, yeah, I'm just right, but I'm saying the Red Sox. You know, one one sport at a time, right? A big banner that says Black Lives Matter, right? Uh, over, you know, in front of Fenway Park uh, the other day, that that sends a message that, that that it is like it is the people who are opposed to this movement that are on the margins, and they happen in this case to be in the White House. So this is, I mean, it is obviously you know as Frank was discussing in that in that. Uh, Zoom panel. You know, they're we'll plug your st- we'll plug your Zoom panel at the end, and we'll put the link and everything because I think it's really important. There were a lot of really good points made, but go ahead. Yeah, although you got to get really be interested in baseball because it's very in the weeds on baseball. Um, but but it was it's a very good kind of like the role of how I mean it's a good conversation. But but they're they're saying these are the ways that you can protest. They now said you could wear a 
a headband that, and, and like okay I mean I don't really like MLB is a business they're going to commodify it, but they also say it's I mean like they didn't stop the guys from kneeling because in, in Washington it was the Yankees and the Nationals before the formal ceremony doing a kneel but in LA Mookie Betts with his $350 million contract kneeled before the game after saying he wouldn't now I don't begrudge Mookie Betts a $350 million contract I hate the Dodgers but that's a different story I don't listen here's my whole point I want, and I, I really tried to make this clear in this Twitter argument that I had with that guy that, that I dragged you into, because I will always drag you into a baseball argument, right. just to say, like, look, this is where we're at. And I think, for me, I'm not begrudging the guy the money. I'm right. just saying, during a global pandemic, when 40 million people are unemployed, nobody knows where their next check is coming from, or how to feed their family, or how to pay if they have no insurance. I think maybe you have a little empathy, and you don't put it on blast that some guy just signed like a $350 right. the, I mean, million dollar because, deal. Because I get it. And also because the end of well, spring training is a weird season, right? But the, you want to sign. You don't want to be negotiating during the season, so you often do see these extensions at this time in the baseball calendar. It's news. You have to do what they should have done is they should have said something like, "And and Buki Betts is. I mean, I'm not saying he's, he's played, a bad guy. I'm not trying. Right, he's played to, for my two least favorite teams, but he's a decent guy and he's a great ball player. I'm sure he do, with, maybe he donates a lot of money to charity. Maybe but, he has but, an but organization. But that should have been part of the announcement. I agree. Right? They could like have said the Los Angeles Dodgers are donating our, this contract of $330 million, and to begin with, Mookie Betts is donating $5 million, and the Dodgers are, and you put extra $5 million. And are going to match thing. that, or double gonna, it. They're going to donate ten, and we're going to do it for uh, computers, for low-income students in the Los Angeles area who have to study online. Next Why time. is that? If I could sit here on my couch, not being a baseball brain, and think of something like that, why couldn't someone in the Dodgers organization do something like that so that it just didn't seem like they were throwing that out. And I know it happens in the Premier League soccer and football over there in Europe. It's obscene amounts of money. But But without getting too much into the baseball side, I mean, what what seems to be... It's the human side. But but that baseball became important because it was part of the fabric of America in a way that other sports never Mm -hmm. were. And the example I give is that despite baseball's really fucked up racist history, Jackie Robinson is an American hero, not a baseball hero. I mean, he's a baseball hero, too. And he was actually a much greater baseball player than people sometimes recognize because he had a short career because he wasn't able... He both served in the war, and then the color line lasted for two full seasons after... Or, well, you know, one and a half full seasons after the end of World War II. So he didn't really start playing until he was 27 years old. And the color line is, for people that don't know? Keeping black people out of baseball. Okay. Black players out of baseball. And then he, he, towards the end of his career, was traded to the New York Giants, who were the bitter rivals. He said, fuck it, I'm not going to play for the Giants. And he retired, so he had a short career. But he's a truly great player. But, but he was an American hero because baseball got ahead of the civil rights movement. And baseball has become, you know, Babe Ruth was the first great baseball hero, but the first great, in some sense, almost one of the first modern American celebrities, right? And, and for baseball's... Real, the real, the real value of MLB as a corporate entity is that reputation, and they've really done poorly right right now in the recent months. And I think this, I mean, I agree. One of our panelists said this, but I could not agree more. There is no way that you can tell me that baseball's testing protocols are not creating a stress on the system. There is no way that you can tell right. me that there are people who won't get their test back on time so that some pitcher, Luis, I mean, you know, some, right. some seventh reliever out of the bullpen gets his test back on time, and some teacher, meanwhile, doesn't know. There's just no way. So Teacher, so, there's doctors. One of, Rachel Maddow had on a doctor, an epidemiologist, whose own daughter in Arizona waited 14 days yeah, for her yeah. test result. 
I, that's my problem it. with sports. It's too fucking soon. It's too soon. I know people for every sport. I'm not talking baseball. They're playing basketball. They're playing the WNBA. They're playing the NBA. I, it's too. It's too soon. I'm torn. So the nature of sports is that. How do you cheer for shit? I just can't sit there. I don't know. It's mentally. It's it's really hard in your head to like say I want to watch sports I enjoy it I want to take my mind off all this shit but also, then you're like people are so dying weird. because it's so weird it's not a diversion right that's the problem like, right after September 11th it was a diversion because when you went to Yankee Stadium for, you know, there was that Ex- post the wrong team won but there was that World Series where the Yankees played and that's and an excellent point it was normal baseball this is I mean like I I did not watch because I don't have the right television stations to watch it but I watched a little pregame and I looked at the box score and everything and. Like, it was good to have baseball back, but my friends who watched it just said it couldn't, didn't feel normal. And, you know, I mean, I saw the clip of Giancarlo Stanton's home run for the Yankees yesterday, and it's in an empty ballpark, and it just seems different. And it's a reminder, right? And there is, I mean, I was, you know, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm less involved personally in the kind of back-to-school because I don't have school-age children, I have college-age children. Well, that's a whole other discussion, but go yeah, ahead. Yeah, but it, it, is, it is another thing that's just not going to be normal, and to try to force the normality, the problem is that there are lives in the balance, Right. I mean, and, and, and with baseball or any sport, with people moving, you get, this team plays in Pennsylvania today and Georgia tomorrow, and then after three days in Georgia, they go to Florida for, for six games against the two teams. Like, everyone's moving around. All these, you know, uh, it's, it's... Yeah, it's fucked up. It's so totally... You don't know where the next hot spot could be. It's so totally in, fucked up. Here in New York uh, City, but also New York State, that we've done, like, we're doing okay right now, but, but I have a, it's just a feeling... That is kind of the calm before the storm, right? I, I can oh. easily see that by September, October, it gets very bad. I'm not hoping it doesn't, but because it's just too, it's a big country. People move back and forth, and, you know, you can't, like Andrew Cuomo, you have to quarantine. But how many ways are there to drive into New York State? Drive? My friend's aunt came in from yeah. Ecuador. This is terrifying. To get on the plane from Ecuador to come to New York City so that she could renew her green card, she had to get her temperature taken, have proof of a, co- a negative COVID test, and be wearing a mask, I mean, to get on the plane. She got off of the plane at our lovely international airport here in New York. Not one question. Not, nobody that, took her temperature. Nobody asked her where she was but going. What that, what that speaks to is the failure of the federal government, not the Cuomo government. Because it, when, you, when you fly into an airport internationally, you know, if you fly from a country into JFK, for example... When you're going through customs, that's the federal government. That's not the local government. Now, the question is, why doesn't the state of New York have something outside the airport? Correct. That is going to be my next point, because she gets in a car or she gets on a bus and she goes somewhere and then she stays with a family. And now, in order to get back into Ecuador, she has to fly in. She's not getting tested here. $365 for COVID test. She doesn't have insurance here. She's not getting tested here. She's going to fly. She got her passport stamped. She's going to fly back to Ecuador. When she lands in Ecuador, she goes immediately into a hotel uh, that they provide where she has to stay until she gets negative COVID test results back. Then she can go home. But let me ask another question or think of another way. There are a lot of countries, uh, major airports, where when you're flying into the United States pre-COVID, because I haven't flown since COVID, um, Pre-COVID, when flying, I've had this experience in, in Germany where there's a lot of flights coming into New York because they're transferring, right? So you fly into Munich from Tbilisi or somewhere like that, and then you go home to New York. And when you're there, to speed things up, you present your documents and you go through the security check in in the Munich airport. Right. 
But you could do that there. The United States, in a functioning government, could say to me, to Germany, listen, we want to set up, no one gets on this plane. Right, to come back to our country until they Without clear this. this. Yeah. And, and that we work together with, let's in this example, the German government to make sure that if someone gets comes to the airport and has a temperature, that we have a, a system for them. That if they don't have the documents, that, that they can't. You could do that. Now, this government, our federal government, isn't doing that. And that's. And, but they want to the send kids is, back to school. That is completely well, fucked up. But the truth is, the truth is, right now, the biggest threat is not someone coming in from Germany with COVID. The biggest threat is just out there. Right. It's just there. It doesn't matter if someone else sees it because we're so seated now. You know, the question of, of, of school, which I lump together with colleges and universities, I mean, I, you know, teachers are going to die. I well, hope not many. Not if they right? don't open the goddamn schools. Barron Trump school is closed through the fall, by the well, way. No, I, know, I, mean, I'm, I mean, right, assuming they open the schools, teachers will die. Parents and grandparents will die. And the same thing with the universities, right? The question I would ask any university is not... What is your plan when a student get, gets COVID? Because many, particularly large universities, they do have hospitals. They do have the ability to deal with this, right? But the question is this. Either on a dorm-by-dorm dorm basis or on a campus housing basis, what is the um, tripwire for when you say we got to shut this down for the semester? Now, not, not school, but the dorms. Well, when right? do you shut down the school? I mean, at some point, that may no, be because a- you can do classes online. Oh, right. I mean, like, on-campus, in-person yeah, learning. I mean. okay. The dorms are, are, the node of the, are the heart of that, right? So, so for example, I don't know the number, but I'm, let's just give an example. There's the, what you need to do, if, if you say, well, if 30% of the students test positive, well, if 30% of the students are testing positive, basically everyone's positive, right? And then you send Terrifying. people home. Then you send people home to, 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 to most cases, living situations, from it on-campus students, because off-campus students are a different story. But living situations, right, where they're more likely to be around vulnerable people. Right. So what you need to do, and, 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 and those vulnerable people, particularly in private schools, but also in a lot of public schools, are the ones paying the tuition. Right. Right? Because they're often parents. That's what I'm talking about here, parents or grandparents. So. Oh, my God. So what you have to do is you have to have, and, and again, there are people who are experts in these fields, and I'm not one of them, but they, and I know they're thinking about this, but the schools have to act on this, where the question is not when it's 30%, any moron can figure out, oh, shit, we better shut down the school, right? But what is the number where you say, we got to shut it down because it's going to get very bad very fast? And we can isolate 4% of the students, but not 12%. At 12%, we're over capacity. It will spread. And then here's another question. So the university where I teach, I'm teaching online next semester. Fine. Now, I'm teaching online, you know, from this... Yeah, the beautiful brick wall. ...home office. Um, my students all went home last March when this all happened. And they, with varying degrees, some of them lived in New York, some of them lived in other places. And some of them struggled. Uh, well, some of them struggled because family members got sick. Some struggled because they didn't have good internet, right? So I would have some like, yeah, I'm kind of outdoors. It's the only place in my town I can get internet. Some of my international students didn't go home, some did. And many, and, and, and it's it was also weird because you could see, like some have very, like, you know, their, their childhood bedroom is equipped for a successful college student. It's got a good internet connection. They have a nice cup of coffee next to them. It's, it's, there's a nice look view out the window. There's fresh air. Not every student in my class has all those things. I mean, I wish they did, but that's just the reality. Right. right? So, so, but if you're in a dorm and you're saying, okay, so now you're in the dorm, you're less in the case of, of my son, a first year student, and you're taking these four classes, classes A, B, C, and D. And class A meets at 10 to 11, 15 on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Let's just say it's a, it's a, Spanish class, right? Yeah. And your roommate 
And my, again, it's not, it's not and my roommate's, my son's roommate is, wants to study engineering. So then the roommate, whose name is important, right? Bob, the roommate, says, well, I have my engineering class from 1030, you know, uh, from the same time on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Okay, well, we can't both be in a room with me saying, you know, I don't know how to speak Spanish, but, you know, right. that's Russian, but, you know, um, and, and, and him saying, uh, well, if the bridge goes this way, it'll fall down, right? We got to have, you yeah, have there's quiet so you can hear what's going on. So then one of they flip a coin each where they take turns and Ruben says, well, I'll go to the lounge because, because that way I can do this or I'll have my headphones on, but I still got to go to the lounge, you know, now, but, but now you have 20 kids in rooms cause there's not, they don't have singles. And this is a huge problem. If you don't have a single, if you don't have a single, it's craziness, 20 kids. And you say, okay, well now, now 20 rooms. So 20 people study 20, go now the lounge is too crowded. Right. right? And then they're all wearing a mask, except you got to take it off because in a class, I don't, I mean, my students, if they're, most of my class is a seminar, right? They have to participate. If it's a lecture and you're in a, you're in a, and you're in a lounge, you keep the mask on and you just take notes, right? Well, you could or talk through the mask. My, there's also the concern of, I mean, there's also special needs students and students that are right. hard of hearing and students that can't, the population of people that need to either read lips Right. Or sign that. I mean, or, or just simply. I mean, my older. Or have learning disabilities and need people just, to speak slower. Like, you. I mean. I mean. And it, you, you. It is very hard. It is. I mean, a good dynamic professor is much more dynamic in person. It's a different set of skills. I mean, one of the things I'm trying to do for going into next semester. And I have to spend some more time. Do I have some time here? But I really want to use the media differently. Right. In other words, because I think that, for example. I could be like you can do this in class anyway, but the difference is when you're not there in person, you have to do it because it's very hard to keep students engaged, and also because the technology is actually easier if you're just sitting. For me, just sitting on my on my home my my uh, laptop, I can pull up the YouTube, share the screen. Here's a clip. Go watch this. Let's discuss it. You know, thirty seconds. Boom! I can show this picture I want to discuss, or this headline from the newspaper, or whatever. But you got to kind of keep, which I didn't do last semester because it was new. So it's a lot of challenges. But the the dorms, I mean, I've heard them described as the new senior centers. And, and, and as a as a cruise ships on land. And that's it, not encouraging. It's not, and college is not gonna be the same for a while because you're missing out we talked about this, you miss out on the entire collegiate experience. And my view on that is that is that I and I tell this to other parents is that we need to stop talking about the college experience and start talking about getting an education, right? Right. Because I mean I don't I don't like yeah, I wouldn't I mean I can't imagine my first four, my first year in college, I mean doing it in my childhood bedroom. It would have been dreadful. But it wouldn't. Have, it would have been dreadful if I could never leave the house, right? I mean, it right. would have been dreadful. I was living. If I had just come from my classes and my studying and lived in San Francisco and could take to gone to a good university, it would have been great. Um, but if, but then what? Like, like, if you can't take most of your classes in person, you can't go to the gym, the library, the events, the parties. You know, the the hanging out in the dorm room, the meeting people, the cafeteria. Like, like, then why are you there? I know. I I don't and that's know. That's a financial question, right? I mean. Why I, I don't I don't so I'm paying rent for a dorm room in Wisconsin, and um, the potential risk I mean and the potential risk of God forbid your kid getting sick, right? And and I understand that for him like he's desperate. but the risk is the risk is I understand the risk is everywhere. So I know that you can go to Wisconsin. It's it may be a different type of risk or a different level. But here's of risk. another question. Here's another question. Twenty five percent of the country belong to a death cult, where they believe that it is their duty to their cult leader to ignore the science and spread the disease. Now, we could hypothesize, hypothesize that the cult membership is lower at, at universities and colleges, particularly um, academically rigorous ones. That's a hypothesis. Right. I don't have any data for that. What if the roommate is a cult member? 
Yeah, that's what terrifying. Who people in the hall is a cult member? What if someone isn't a cult member, but just you know, for example, if you experienced uh, March fifteenth to the end of May to May fifteenth in New York City, as you and I did, as my kids did, you had a very different experience with COVID. Right. In those first two months, if you were in a place where it's, you're not Florida, Texas, you're in like like Nebraska right now, right? Montana, where my sister lives. It just doesn't feel real. So you get to College Station, you know, Austin, uh, Santa Cruz, any one of a million, a thousand college towns in America, and you say, this is great, I'm 18, I can finally on my own, I'm going to go to the bars at night. And you go downtown and go to the bars. Because for you, it's not real. The bars shouldn't be open. (laughs) But, but, But that's the point. Because you can't, these are, these students are 18 years old. You can't, not, it's not like a, 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 a prep school or something, boarding school, where you can say we're going to have really strict rules. You can't do that with adults in college dorms. What do you do about that? Look, they did the, the same thing happened with the Orlando Pride soccer team. All of these yeah. veterans were like quarantined. They were in their bubble. And then they brought in all these young new players. And the new players were like, fuck the rules, right. allegedly. And they went out and they partied and they brought the shit back. And the Orlando Pride is right back to phase fucking one. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, I, I just think there's so many, and, and we have to stress. And we should probably wrap up. Yeah, I know. We're, we're hitting your time limit, but go ahead. No, but but we should stress that there, that that there are no easy answers, right? I mean, you and I know that to be a young student, I'm not talking about college age, but K through 12, particularly even younger, or if you have some learning challenges, or if you have a different learning style, this is from an educational and psychological perspective, devastating. I mean, my friends who have younger kids, um, and with a range of kind of uh, experiences and, and challenges and, and abilities and academic kind of comf- comfort confidence. This is horrible for them. It's I know it's gut wrenching. So there's no we're not talking about there's one smart answer and one stupid answer. There may be one stupid answer. It's not obvious there's one really smart answer, right? There's not one bad outcome and one good outcome. There's a bad outcome and a less bad outcome. Right. And and that's what we have to recognize here that, that that we are we are in for something and you know I was talking to my friend who was telling you thinks Trump's going to win a, a lose in a landslide and he and I were talking about this and I've said this to you but this pandemic should if it, there's another universe where we're, you and I are sitting here in you know New York obey, obeying the large keeping consistently behaving the way we are in terms of safety masks <laughs> due, to parano- due to paranoia and neurosis due to paranoia and we're having a conversation and you and I are angry well, we're never angry. We're usually full of kindness and, right. and, and, and gentle That's words what that is. Yes. Patience. Yes. And patience. But you and I are angry because Trump is at 60% in the polls and no one's talking about Russia. No one's talking about his criminality. No one's talking about his, his sexual assault record because he handled the pandemic so well. This was a softball. The story that you're hearing in the media that Trump's blew it, that Trump's re-election was damaged by this, it was damaged because... The pandemic collided with his mental illness and his avarice. Yeah. Not the pandemic itself. For a normal pre- – look at Angela Merkel. Obviously much smarter than Donald Trump, but look at Angela Merkel. Yeah. Boris Johnson you know, is a Trump. But, but for a normal politician, especially one in the United States where we had these people in place, all you do is you say thank you for the pandemic guidebook. I am turning this over to my Secretary of Health and Human Services. Just keep this in place in case there's an emergency. And then you have a briefing January 1st or 10th or whatever, and someone says, this is getting pretty bad, Mr. President. And you say, what do I do? And they say, 
this guy Fauci, he knows his shit. Just listen to him. And you go out there and comfort the American people. He'd be cruising to re-election. This was an easy one. Yeah. And he and fucked he it up. It. Yep, he fucked it up. Because he's a narcissistic sociopath. And that's, yeah. the, uh, that's yeah. the bottom line. And, and here we are. And here we go. And in the meantime, we'll just stay home. <laughs> yeah, we'll just stay home. I can't go. I mean, I have my stick. You got your stick? You got your walking oh, stick? I'm done, how's, you know. How's Kurt you doing? Kurt, thank you for asking. We're, we're not going to jinx it. We're going to say okay. well, and we're going to take baby steps. And, uh, you know, it's the weekend. Which days are, what are days even? But I know that I don't have anywhere to go tomorrow or the day after that. Uh, the hill was extremely quiet today. I got up there late because, uh, but I saw... Uh, I couldn't do late after what I experienced yesterday at 8.15, which was terrifying. I mean... Well, I found myself with a group of people who were all wearing masks. Yet, within 500 feet are... No, no, we, we kind of got the mask people together. Yeah, which you have to do, but it's still, I will, I for the nine millionth time, astounding. I know. And I couldn't, and you, it is no longer enjoyable. Everyone's like, you go outside for your walk or one time during the day to get out so you're not inside 24 hours a day in your apartment, which is, will, will drive you batshit crazy no matter how big your apartment is. If you are forced to stay somewhere for 24 hours, you will legitimately go nuts. And then you go outside and you go more nuts because people just can't simply follow the most basic. Well, I think what we have to remember, and we'll close with this, yeah. is person, woman, man, camera, TV. Mask. I'm just going to add Mask. All right, Linky. All right. Maybe I'll see you tomorrow. Oh, I won't see you tomorrow. I'm not going up there. I don't have a dog to walk to the hill right now. I'll All check right. in. I'll check in on you. Okay, Stay sane. You All right, bye. Bye-bye. Okay, so there you have it. I'm going to tell you quickly to follow... Quickly. I never do anything quickly. That's a lie. Sorry. I'm going to tell you to follow Lincoln Mitchell on the Twitter, at Lincoln Mitchell. You can find his Mitchell Minute on his Instagram, at Lincoln A. Mitchell. And you can go to his website, LincolnMitchell.com, where you can read up on Lincoln. You could order books, his books that he's written. You could get uh, links and invites to his Zoom panel discussions. And I will throw in the link in the notes to the last uh, baseball panel discussion they had. That was really interesting. And I'm, I am not, by any stretch of the imagination, a fan of baseball. It is just way too slow moving and boring for me. Sorry. Uh, but I watch it, you know, I watch the highlights on Sports Center and I follow it and I follow sports, but baseball is really not my jam. Uh, and that being said, in terms of schools, I hope they don't open. It's too fucking soon. And in case you were wondering, Baron Trump's school is closed through the fall, and Senator Rick Scott, the fuck stick from Florida, who is pushing to open school for everybody else's fucking kids, his own grandchildren will not be going to school. So watch what they do and not what the fuck they say because they want to use everybody else's fucking kids as guinea pigs and it's disgusting as all motherfucking get out and these motherfuckers are not sending their own kids to school or their own grandkids, but they want everyone else to send their own kids. You have got to be kidding me. That is absolutely the most repugnant, reprehensible, asinine, ridiculous, ass-backwards shit. But it's Florida, and it's also Trump, and it's coming from states where clearly they don't give a shit about people's kids. And that's a fucking problem. 
And they don't get, not only kids, teachers, bus drivers, cafeteria workers, food delivery service people, janitors, uh, school safety officers, every, every administrators in the school. Hey, you know how many schools don't even have a school fucking nurse? Why don't we start there? How are you going to send kids back to school? This could be a whole nother rant, but I'm sorry. How are you going to send kids back to school that you have no way of contact tracing who drops them off, who they go home to, maybe they stay three nights a week with their mom, maybe they stay three nights a week with their dad or their other mom or their other dad or their aunt or their uncle or their grandma or they're living in different situations. They have no fucking idea and they don't even have a motherfucking nurse in the school. Who's taking their temperature? The fucking librarian? No disrespect to librarians. Love a librarian. Big fan of the Dewey Decimal System. Miss card catalogs. They have a really great smell. When you used to pull them out and used to open them and flip through the car, okay, that's probably way too much information and I digress, but you get the motherfucking point. There is no way that not one kid is going to be safe in one school in this country without, without a plan, without testing, without tracing, and without test results coming back within 14 fucking days. Be- because by then, it's 14 days too fucking late and people are going to die, like Lincoln said. So when these motherfuckers in Washington and whatever state they're fucking, whoever put these nut jobs in office, and they'll realize that when the shit hits home, When it comes to their front motherfucking door, maybe it wasn't such a good idea to to elect such a narcissistic asshole or assholes into positions of power who give zero fucks about the constituency and only really give a fuck about themselves. Such a veiled misconception. I mean, some do care, not all. That's a gross overstatement, but you know where I'm getting at. You know what I'm getting at. Point being, they're not doing it, but they want you to do it. Be smart. Pay attention. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Check on your people. You can follow me on the Instagram at Doodleheads. Uh, you can follow me in the Twitterverse at Small Pencil Club when I'm not in Twitmo. I believe I've been thrown into Twitmo already once today because they refused to call this big, fat, fucking white supremacist, racist as fuck, white trash slob. Uh, exactly that for using the N-word, uh, screaming at an employee at Verizon. You need to start calling people what they are. You need to start using your real words, and you need to start making the headlines on tweets and in articles uh, reflective of what's actually going on. And shout out to all the Portland moms who are standing their ground against the Gestapo police that could end up in your backyard. So be careful and pay attention. These Portland moms, don't fuck with moms. I don't even understand why anybody would even go there. Moms will kick your ass. Just, and they are kicking ass and taking names, and they are not afraid. Or maybe they are afraid, but they will never show it, and they will come, and they will bring the wolf pack, the mom pack, and they will come for you. And they will not leave until they are done with you. Recognize that. Fuck with moms. Moms do not play. In any, in any, in the animal kingdom, in the human kingdom, you fuck with someone, kid, you fucking with the wrong one. So just, uh, just walk, keep your eye on the moms and be ready to go out there and defend and support everything that's going on in the streets right now. But wear a mask and wash your hands and socially distance and stay safe and you don't need to eat out at a fucking restaurant and you don't need to get drunk at a fucking restaurant. You can do that in the comfort of your own home. Granted, it's alone or with somebody that you can social distance with or with people that you are quarantining with. Find a way. This, this, stay the fuck home, basically. Be smart. Let, let, let's get this shit under control. 
that's all I got to say. All right, we'll see you at the at the DJ Jam. We're still rolling night. Like I think we're on like night one thirty three or one thirty four. Uh, shout out to the Jam Fam. Um, keep thinking positive thoughts. We're hoping Kircher is. I don't want to jinx it. And yes, I believe in jinxes. We'll talk about superstitions another day. Uh, it's an athlete versus theater thing versus people thing. But you know, everybody's got their thing or multiple things. Uh, think good thoughts. Send good vibes. Um, Keep motherfucking hope alive. I don't know what else. Hold on. Some days you're holding on by a thread, and some days you got the whole rope. Uh, and until the next time, thanks for listening. Peace and hair grease. Peace.